0: Check one, two. Sounds like it. All right, I'm just gonna rearrange a little bit here. I want to Sean. thank Sean for uh, for leading us today. You know, Sean would be lying if he if he said that this internship didn't stretch him. And uh, you know, I think that's a good thing for all of us. I'm usually my comfort zone is is where he was today, hiding behind a guitar. Um, but Sean was, was willing to step up and has done a lot of things outside of his comfort zone. And, uh, I encourage you guys to do the same thing that as followers of Christ and imitators of Christ, um, Christ left his ultimate comfort zone in heaven to come down, to be a man. Life is hard. We know this. Just being human is not easy. And, uh, he left that ultimate comfort zone because of his love and his sacrifice for us. So, um, leave your comfort zone. and and love on people, and serve. Um, That also brought to mind, uh, it was funny, I was having a conversation with Craig this morning, uh, where he said, oh man, we should have like brought Eunice's donkey in here this morning, it's Palm Sunday, and I thought he was kidding, because last year, Marcus walked a donkey right through that door, and uh, the message was, that if God can use a donkey, he can use you. And uh, I just, I thought that was awesome. Uh, Great Palm Sunday message. Uh, Today, my name's Drew, by the way. There's some faces that I don't know this morning. Uh, I'm the assistant pastor here at Loon Mountain Ministry. Um, Today, we're going to be continuing our series in the book of Romans. Uh, We find ourselves in chapter 10, but first, let's just uh, come to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning that uh, the sun is shining Lord, that um, spring is not far. Um, God, you are so good to us with so many blessings. Um, This reminder that spring brings of new life, Lord, this new life we have in you. Um, And because you rose from the dead and you conquered the grave, Lord, uh, you gave us your spirit and we are new creations now um, because of you. Lord, I just pray that you would fill me with your spirit this morning. Um, as I share this message, may our hearts be stirred with affection for you more than anything, uh, Lord. And, uh, give us your ears as well. And may it penetrate, uh, to our hearts that we might become more like you. Praise in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Um, you know, I just want you guys to know that the message that I prepared this morning, um, is for myself as much as it is for any of you guys, um. It's it's easy to think up here, I'm a pastor. I am uh, a church leader. That that I'm speaking this from a an authority authoritative position. Um, but I, I'm really no authority. I'm I'm a normal guy who loves Jesus, who has experienced His love, and uh, has become more and more aware of my need for His grace and, and His healing in my life. And so. Um, I just want you guys to know that I'm with you. Whatever uh, I say today that sticks out and you're like the, the Holy Spirit is convicting you, he's convicted me of it too. And, and that's why I'm sharing it today. Um, so we're kind of just going to jump right into it. I didn't go to seminary. I never took a class on how to preach. So I'm not really good at intros and conclusions. You might have noticed this when I preach. I'll just kind of like get to the end of my, my notes and it's over. So sorry about that. Um, uh, we're going to start off, Romans 10, uh, 12 through 15. Um, I think in these verses, Paul is reminding his, his uh, readers of two things. One, the purpose of the gospel, and two, their role in fulfilling it. If you look at your bulletin, we'll read verses 12 and 13. It says, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I think what Paul is doing here is he's refuting the belief that some people held of that time, that salvation was only meant for the nation of Israel for, or, or for any single people group. Um, we know that when we look at the Old Testament that God's desires and the New Testament, God's salvation reach the uttermost parts of the earth. If we look at the New Testament, Acts 1.8 says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. From the beginning of God's covenant with Abraham in the book of Genesis, God's people were set apart, not for their own sake, but for a purpose. That purpose is worldwide restoration to be a light to the nation so that through them the whole world would be blessed. Genesis 12, uh, when God is making his covenant with Abraham, God says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God's plan was never and is still not to create a separatist, separatist colony for his followers. He wants all peoples of every tribe and tongue, every race and ethnicity, every age and gender, gender to know and experience his love and restoration. This is the purpose of the gospel, wo- worldwide restoration, to, fuf- to fill the earth with God's presence through his church. God saves people from all kinds of backgrounds whom are united simply by one common thread, the grace of God changing their lives through faith in Jesus Christ's sacrificial work on their behalf. The children of God are a very diverse people. I once heard a quote, uh, somebody said that heaven is going to be a racist worst nightmare because it's people from all over the world, every tribe, every tongue, every culture. And we need to be careful than be guilty of thinking that Christianity is an American religion that works best in a middle class suburb. I got news for you. Jesus didn't have light brown hair and blue eyes like we've seen in all those pictures in old Sunday school rooms and stuff like that. Um, God is not saving the world through a race, through a culture, through a government, through a country, but through the love of Christ working in and through his people. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. There's no quality about any of us that makes us an adequate recipient of Christ's love. Abraham, it said that he had faith, and that was what God credited to him as righteousness. Something that we've got to understand is that we're not loved because there's something about us. We're made lovable because Christ chose to love us. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So that's verses 12 and 13. God's purpose for the gospel, worldwide restoration. The second part of this passage um, is what I'm going to spend most of our time on. And that's Paul reminding us us of our role in fulfilling the purpose of the gospel in in the world. We have a role to play. Anyone who calls himself a follower of Jesus is a part of God's story. We sing a song sometimes in church called All Things Rise. It's one of my favorites. And in one of the verses it says, Son of God, in you we've taken up the way of love's occupation. Oh, the joy to share in your reward, the stunning turn of new creation. We're taking up love's occupation. 2 um, Corinthians talks about how we are Christ's ambassadors into the world, um, and we get to share in the joy as he transforms lives and hearts and ultimately the whole world. I think a fundamental flaw in many of our beliefs is that we believe the gospel ends with us, is that we become saved, and then that's it. It stops right there. It doesn't end with us. Just think the Old Testament you and I the people of God, his body, the church are sent into the world to be a light to the nations we've been blessed to share that the blessings that we've received with others through Christ Now I'm going to read verses 14 and 15 <clears throat> how then can they call on the on the one they have not believed in and how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. To accomplish the mission of God, spreading of the gospel to the ends of the earth, the gospel must be preached. And I know what you're thinking. You're like, "Uh uh-oh, here we go. He's going to give us a, a lecture on how we need to knock down our neighbor's door and, you know, thump a Bible on their kitchen table. I'm not here to tell you how to do that or to give you better strategies. But I am telling you that if we love Jesus, we will want to talk about him. More than anything, I hope that our hearts will be captivated by our love for Jesus, rooted in what he's already done for us this morning. But we know that to preach is to speak. To speak. And preach is not a good word in today's culture. I can tell you nine times out of ten, if somebody's saying the word preach, it's probably in a negative connotation. We don't like to be preached at. <laughs> I've found that one of the most effective and non-threatening ways I've learned to speak, I'll say speak the gospel, um, is through sharing the story of, of my life and what God has done in and through my life, um, because again, people don't like to be told how to live their lives or what to do. But when they ask us about part of our lives, we want to be honest and share um, what it is God has done. And as Christians, we shouldn't be able to explain our lives without talking about Jesus and His work. And so, when we do talk about Him, First Peter three fifteen says. Do so with gentleness and respect. Um, you know, we don't have to to look for every opportunity to just slam somebody with the gospel. You need Jesus, or you're going to hell. That's not gentleness and respect. Um, I've heard the quote, and and many of you probably have too. Preach the gospel always, and when necessary, use words. Now, I agree with the sentiment that the way we live our lives should be a demonstration of the gospel. And our actions should come before our words. But, we need to to speak the gospel. This passage passage is clear. Um, And and so, along the lines of, of actions first, I actually just yesterday was talking to somebody and they said, People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And so it is necessary for our actions to precede our words. And we need to live a life that demands an explanation of Christ, but we can't adequately demonstrate that unless we also speak it. I mean, think about it. What would it the gospel means good news, right? What would it be like to watch the news on TV if nothing was spoken and there were no words on the TV? That would be quite confusing, and if you say you're living a life on mission for Jesus and you never talk about Jesus, how can you be living on a mission for him? You're living on somebody else's mission. And we can't live a life that demands an explanation of Jesus if we don't live a life intent on proclaiming him. I've, I've, oft, I've literally heard uh, believers say this, like, oh, we've, we, we knew our neighbors uh, for months or years and we just found out now that they were believers. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, are we trying to, to trick people or to hide something from them? Or like, I've been tempted to, to, to have the mindset of like, oh, I, I'm befriending this person. I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to share with them my faith yet because I think that would scare them away. I think what would scare somebody most is if like 10 months later, you go, go up to somebody and say, hey, there's this really big part of my life. That's everything to me. Um, I'm a believer in Jesus. And they're like, where has this been for the last 10 months? Like, we don't need to, to hide this. We, it, it's, it's our life. It's the foundation of everything we do. And uh, <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Eunice. Um, speaking the truths of the gospel are not just about achieving God's mission. It's also about our own growth and maturity. We are his mission as well. And he wants to grow us to be more like Jesus. And the way that we grow in maturity in Christ is not by being called to do more good deeds, but by being called to the person and work of Jesus on a daily basis so that the life that you live is Christ living in and through you. Your life and your deeds are not the good news. If we only seek to demonstrate the gospel with our lives and not declare it with our lips, we'll end up leading people to put their faith in us and not in Christ. And we do this. We do this with with our leaders when we put them on a pedestal, with churches, when we come together and we think that the church is going to save us with communities, but then the leader lets us down and the church lets us down and the community fails us and we're left with nothing because we placed our hope in the wrong thing. We missed Jesus. And scripture is clear. There is no other name under heaven by which men will be saved. Now, I want to clarify something here, and this is important. As I, as I talk about speaking Jesus in all of life, we need to be clear that the beauty of the gospel is that whether you proclaim it well or proclaim it consistently, it doesn't change our standing before God in Christ. Don't make your own gospel proclamation a new law by which you measure yourself. You are sufficiently and fully loved by God in Christ, and it has nothing to do with how good you are. That's the beauty of the good news. Ephesians 2.8 and 9 says, It's by grace you have been saved, through faith, not by works. It's not of yourselves, so that we can't boast. And if we don't believe that, we won't preach it, because it won't be good news. It'll be something we try to earn with our lives. Luke 6.45 says, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I'm increasingly convinced that we don't have to train people to talk about what they love. We're all evangelists for what we love and for what works for us. I'm I'm a great evangelist for my own gear. I'm an outdoorsman. So whether I'm hunting or fishing or snowboarding, skiing, hiking, whatever it is, I love talking about gear. You know, if you're into any of that stuff, I'm sure you, you can picture those conversations. But sadly, I've often found myself out on a trip uh, with both believers and, and not yet believers. And I find myself being a better evangelist for whatever gear I'm using than looking out on his creation and pointing them to the creator. And we, it's funny, we see it on social media too. You know, you know the friends who are selling Mary Kay or Herbalife or are on dietary plans or CrossFit. I love this joke, ready? How do you tell a vegetarian? You don't, they tell you. We're all great evangelists for something. Now, this one is going to sting a little bit for you guys, especially for Marcus, and I fear that, it, I fear that it's going to, like, discredit my illustration, but here we go. <laughs> no one could ever teach me or anyone else in Philadelphia how to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, all right? Let me tell you a great Super Bowl, or a great story, great Super Bowl, too. After the there was no on the street corners of Philadelphia handing out tracks to tell people how to explain the story. The Eagles' list overcome the great chasm that separated them from the ever-elusive Lombardi Trophy. Our hopes seemed to be crushed weekly with the fall of several Pro Bowl players like Darren Sproles, Jordan Hicks, Jason Peters, and our beloved MVP candidate, Carson Wentz. We made it to the playoffs, but, but it didn't look good. It's Philly. That's good because it's not Philly. They've never won the Super Bowl. They throw snowballs. at The whole country counted us out. We were underdogs throughout the playoffs, but continued to conquer. It looked like the Super Bowl was over when the Eagles gave Tom Brady the football with minutes to play and only a five-point lead. Until and Graham dealt the final blow, stripping Tom Brady of the ball and sealing the victory for the Eagles, making a spectacle of the empire of the New England Patriots. In Case you guys didn't know, I'm from Philadelphia. I'm not just a, a fair weathered fan. Brothers and sisters have such a better story to tell. You're like, no kidding. That was awful. Brothers and sisters. Here's the true story, the better story. We were enemies of God, hopeless and helpless, slaves to sin and Satan, being crushed daily by his destructive blows. For hundreds of years, the world needed a Savior. We needed to be set free, forgiven, and restored. Jesus came, and it didn't look good. He's from Nazareth. Nothing good comes from Nazareth, they said. He lived the life we couldn't, and went all 33 years undefeated to the cross. It looked like it was over, and it was. Sin was paid for. Satan was crushed. Death was dealt a death blow. And when he conquered, when he conquered the grave, and he made a public spectacle of Satan, sin, and death, he overcame for us. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? If you believe in this, you'll talk. To your spouse, to your kids, to your co to your friends, to even your enemies. Do you love Jesus more than anything else? Has he changed your life more than anything else? Do you believe that he's in your life changing your heart in such a radical way that he's worth talking about? I hope the answer is yes. If it's not yes, I encourage you to be saved. Ask God to allow you to experience the love that he has shown you through Jesus. Earlier in the chapter, in verse 9, as Marcus spoke uh, on last week, it says, If you confess your sin, or no, sorry, that's... Um, help me out, Marcus. Yeah, that is. Oh, no, it's not if you confess your sin. It's for... Yes. Thank you. If you can open your mouth uh, and that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Even when we can honestly answer yes to those questions that Jesus is our Lord and we want to serve Him with our lives, we come up short. We need God's help. He's given it to us through the Spirit within us, and we've been sent into the world. To speak the good news to the people around us. Both ourselves and others. That we may experience the love of God through Jesus. I'm going to pray for us. Jesus may we be captivated by your love. May it stir our hearts with affection for you. And it may, may it compel us to speak about you. For the praise of your glorious name God. Thank you that we get to take part In your worldwide restoration. Your plan to redeem. All of humanity. Father. Forgive us when we fall short. When we forget. um, The good news. When we're enticed by. Our own selfishness. Our own desires. Our fear of man. But God may we take hope. In the fact that. The good news is not dependent on us, God. And only as we come to a better understanding of your love will we grasp what a privilege it is to take part in your kingdom. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.